Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. back to As I Am, if you are coming back to As I Am. Today, Jeff and I are doing an episode just with us. It's been a hot minute, Um, but we are really excited today to be talking about a topic that we have been wanting to do for a while, which is the power of names and accents. I just think there's so much to unpack when it comes to, you know, having this tension between an anglicized slash western name but also having a background that doesn't come from the west so jeff first question to you what is your chinese name if you have one and can you tell me its meaning if it does have a meaning i know a lot of like asian names have these you know really dramatic meanings attached to them so i'm Mm. curious to hear what yours is yeah yeah so um i actually changed my chinese name when i was four wait you can do that i i don't know (laughs) i don't know what the rules are but essentially i went back to china when i was four and we went to see a, a feng shui expert, you know, just to get assessed. Oh, uh, of course. And, it, and it's, it's crazy. <laughs> They're like, you, you take your kid and you like put them in front of them and they just like, you know, <laughs> sussing your vibes, sussing your energy. Look, I didn't realize feng shui extended to names. So that's actually quite interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So they said my name was not good because it was two syllables. Oh, so okay. So it's two characters. Right. I don't think that's universal. I don't think it's that two syllables is necessarily bad for everyone. It was just, for me, apparently it was very bad. So I changed my name. So originally, um, as some of you may know, the surname in a lot of Asian cultures comes first. Mm -hmm. So it's Zhao Jia Rei. And then before that, it was Zhao Yu. So two syllables, now it's a three. So Chinese, Vietnamese, monosyllabic language. So each one is a different character. So my name... Zhao, I actually don't know where that comes from. All I know is it's a descendant of one of the dynasties, I think. Yeah. So, you know, royal blood. Yeah, I'll let you boy. <laughs> the middle character, Jia, is home. Yeah. Uh, and then Ri, I believe, means courage. But then when you sort of refer to people um, in China, you only say the last two. So it's it's kind of like your first name, but it oh, comes after your last name. So yeah. people will call me Jia Ri. Yeah. And that name comes to the fact that my English name is Jeffrey. Oh, so to interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all works out. Well, in preparation for this episode, I actually was reading this article that was specifically talking about like how Chinese names when they, you know, let's say a Chinese person has obviously a Chinese name. When they adopt like a Western name, often they will adopt a name that's quite similar sounding to their Chinese name. So like yes. Wayman would be like Raymond or like I don't know. Like, I mean, here in this example, right? So, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize you had a link there. So, that's cool. Yeah. And then sometimes you get the people who do the literal translation, and that's always great. <laughs> I remember a primary school friend's mom, her Chinese name was like Mingyue, mm. which is Bright Moon. Mm. So, her English name is Bright Moon. So, I was like, you know what? Your name, your life, you do whatever you want. <laughs> Whether or not I feel proud of my name. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Like... I don't feel a strong connection to my Chinese name because I right. never use it. Yeah. I remember how to write it. 
every time every year my grandparents always check in that they test me like we go out they're like write your chinese name <laughs> just just to make sure i can still do, do they it. do they scrutinize like the way you do your strokes like does it have to be like, yeah for sure yeah, yeah yeah my chinese like is not that pretty so yeah i do get i do get roasted a lot and especially when i always get like compared to zoe as well it's not yeah fair. yeah yeah fair right? enough it's, it's not wait fair. so what do your parents call you then do they call you jeffrey and not Jarwin. Yeah, they just call me Jeff. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Jeff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, only when I go back to to China that they call me Jarwin. Ah, Jarwin. I just call you Jarwin. Sorry, Jarwin. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, you know, I'm gonna ask you the same question, but fun fact: uh, my VCE certificate, I actually spelt my middle name wrong Ooh. throughout high school. Oh shit! <laughs> so I don't know if this means technically I didn't graduate from high school. But when you look at my my VC certificate, it's spelled wrong. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. But uh, what about you? Do you have a Do you have a Vietnamese name? I do. I do. So similar to you, it is my middle name, and it's mm-hmm. Ngoc Hang. But similar to Chinese as well, my Vietnamese name would be Le Ngoc Hang. So my name is Isabella Lee, mm-hmm. but obviously the surname is placed at the front. So my name is Ngoc Hang, but the Le is like the surname. And yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in Vietnamese cultures, I guess, there's often two names that we have, like Ngoc Hang, for instance, is my name. And my mum, mm-hmm. my grandmother, my aunties, their names start with Ngoc as well. So my mum is Ngoc Han, whereas mine is Ngoc Hang. And often like that first name can often be like a significant name that kind of ties a family together it's just the second name that's slightly mm. different and my particular yeah. name actually was named after like a feminist princess during like some dynasty in vietnam who was like renowned oh, for sick. like her poetry and shit that subverted like all these different um stereotypes so yeah she was really cool um Fuck so yeah. very proud of that name and i think in particular just personally, like I think my name, I think really ties me to my Vietnamese identity, especially because my family, my Vietnamese community refer to me as my Vietnamese name. Like I don't know if anyone in my family actually refers to me as Isabella. That very much was mm. a name that, you know, I've grown up with, but in settings that have been, you know, at work, at school, rather than like in the family. And I think that's something that I'm actually quite keen on exploring because I remember you were telling me, Jeff, in our conversations before this, that you've actually omitted your middle name in your CVs. And I think like just that anecdote in particular, Mm. I think to me just highlights how significant and important names are, which is why we really wanted to do this episode. And, you know, like I, I think like with names as well, you see so many studies about how names can be so influential in your school and, you know, how it informs like the way you present yourself for interviews, what employers accept you. And it's just insane to think that, you know, one name, regardless of something that you have control of, can determine so much about your life. Um, but yeah, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that particular anecdote, Jeff, of you omitting your middle name from your CV and kind of what you have learned from that experience. Mm, mm. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. I love the name Jeff, especially Jeffrey Zhao as a name is very conducive to nicknames. Mm. So Jeff, Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's obviously <laughs> like some people call me like Jeffy. Anyway, the only downside is my name got ruined by 22 Jump Street. Oh, you know, yeah. Fuck you, Channing Tatum. Like, honestly, <laughs> I still get some shit where it's like that movie came out. Say it. Say the line. Say the line. Like six years ago. And people are still like, oh, huh, my name's Jeff. <laughs> I'm just like, are you fucked? So 
So you know what? Shout out all my Jeffs out there. We really copped it after that yeah. movie came out. Mm-hmm. Also, like his career started going downhill after that. So honestly, he deserves <laughs> it. But back to the back to the original question. So I got told. I want to say it was mum, but I feel like I've heard it from multiple sources. Was omit your middle name mm. from your resume so employers don't think you're an international student and don't mm. hire you on the assumption that they have to provide a visa. So obviously quite a fucked up thing to tell someone but also i'm sure there is a degree of truth to it and i'm sure you as someone reviewing thousands of cvs you know you look at it potentially it's like some sort of unknown bias hits out it's like mm, sus not too sure if i'm going to progress this so you know i don't have any evidence to actually back this up i know a lot of cvs now get screened by automatic response things you know at least at the initial stages. But I didn't really have much luck finding jobs when I put my middle name in. And the moment I took it out, I started getting interviews. Yeah. And look, Jeff, like that is literally backed by evidence. There was actually a 2015 study by ANU, so the Australian National University for those who don't know. And they actually found that applicants of like Chinese, Middle Eastern and Indigenous sounding names were like far less likely to actually get caught in for an interview. So I think your experience is very validated by what the data says, which is yeah, really fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's, there's so much stuff around, you know, even once you enter the workforce, you know, there is so much around how you can actually work collaboratively and how you as someone who has a difficult to pronounce name and or an accent, it's like in a meeting, people who have potentially more complicated to pronounce names, they get called on less, mm. you know, and less involved in discussions. People don't necessarily engage them because it's, you know, I don't want you to be involved, but it's that fear of, you know, messing up a name, all that sort yeah. of stuff. People just forget it's perfectly fine to ask someone's like, what's the best way to pronounce your name? Like that is a perfectly normal question to ask someone mm. just to get it right. But there are a lot of barriers around this. So I still don't have my middle name on my CV. Mm. And I feel like I should put it back on there. But it's, it's I, don't, I don't know. Do you have yours on your CV? I don't. I don't. And yeah. look, it, it's such a tension, right? Because I think obviously there's that practical need to quote unquote whiten your CV. And, you know, I think honestly the name Isabella was something that my parents... Like, I love it. I'm proud of it because I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I love it than my name and there's a lot of like history behind it in terms of like how my parents came to name it. But I think half of that story also comes from the reality that they knew that if I was to grow up in Australia, if I was to assimilate, I'd have a much easier time having a Western sounding name, um, which I think, you know, when it comes to like job interviews and things, I also do omit my middle name. And, you know, I think it really goes to that need to I guess like, you know, you want a job. And I think the reality is that you are going to have a far less tough time. And I, you know, it's sad that it's backed by that data, but I think it's so much to do with, and this is a quote that um, I think a lot of research has termed where it's called implicit egotism, where we are drawn to names and things that sound like us or remind us of things that resemble us essentially. But at the same time, you know, is it problematic when we do omit that name or that middle name or the name that reflects our cultural identity? Because does that perpetuate the problem? Does that lead Mm. to this cycle where, you know, we're omitting our ethnic names, we're omitting like our identity, but like that leads to success. So, you know, people like don't expect you to like have that. And I don't know, I think there's definitely a big cultural shift now, which has been spurred on like most things by BLM. But even then, you know, like, 
it's such a sad reality that people do feel like they need to change their names to an Anglo name to even get a job interview, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think there is something to be said about, I want to put it on there because in some ways, you know, you are challenging potential biases, implicit egotism. Great concept. Never Mm. heard of it. So I'm glad I learned that today. You might face some additional challenges, but you work towards breaking those stereotypes rather than reinforce them. So it is a bit of a trade-off. I have yet to decide what I'm going to do, but I would like to think that I would like to put it back on there. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, it is, there is this sense of like completeness and this is actually, you know, me fully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just reflecting on our, I guess, pride for our names, would you kind of give your child a Chinese name to reflect your kind of cultural identity and to pass that on? Um, I think I would. Yeah. Uh, I think my whole family would want me to do so as well. Will that name be the middle name or the or the first name? Oh, shit. That's a good question. Do you think by the time Ooh. we have children... <laughs> that's a really good question. Do you think by the time we have children, we'll get to a point where embracing our cultural identity, especially when it comes oh. to owning our names, will be normalised or will be something that, you know... We don't have to worry about, ah, shit, like, you know, if my child has this name, like, they're going to be racially profiled or there's going to be biases that will impede them from X, Y, Z. I don't know. I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I don't know. (laughs) That was a great question. See, that's crazy because in any conversations around, you know, what would you name your child? Like, you know, whatever was a boy, what was a girl, et cetera. I don't think I've ever thought about an Asian name. Yeah. Actually, I, I need to think about this for a little bit. Do you have an answer? I don't, to be honest. I remember I used to be that kid who would like create a list of like names I would love to name my child based on like, you know, mm. female names, male names. And it was shit like Abigail or like Harper and like, you know, names that like I'd read in like my books and movies. But, um, mm. but no, I mean, I would seriously consider, I think, perhaps a name that would have some Vietnamese origin but perhaps was also like easy to pronounce. Just, you know, I know the reality of the world and mm. I don't know if naming my child a Vietnamese name that is really difficult to pronounce, like without the accent or something like that would be like efficient or effective or would help them in life. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's this tension again, you know, I, I really want to embrace my identity and pass it on to my children. But how do you do that in a way that reconciles with like the West where you do want them to succeed in certain things and you want them to overcome mm. racial biases and how do you overcome that while embracing identity? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's probably something I can't answer right now. But, you know, the fact that it's on my mind, I think is a really important thing because I wouldn't have considered it otherwise. I remember I went through this period of life where I was like, if I have a son, I'm going to name him Maximilian. <laughs> Maximilian. <laughs> like, is that not just the most ridiculous <laughs> That's like the whitest sounding name. <laughs> I wanted Jeff. to name my I wanted to name my son after like a Roman emperor. You know? it's just, I, it's, I don't know. I just I was like, you know, this sounds like a cool name. Maybe we're weird colonizing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's weird. It's weird, right? It's kind of like how Asian people kind of stole the name Jeff mm. because Ooh. the only Jeffs you see in the world are old white men or young Asian guys. There's there's oh no one God. else. Yes. Find yep, me someone yep. that is yeah. not an old white man or a young yeah. Asian guy named Jeff. Do it. 
Actually, on that, maybe we've touched on this in like another episode. I feel like we might have in our accent episode, um, one of our earlier episodes. But like, there are so many names that are so Asian, yeah. like white names that are so Asian that have been so co-opted by the Asian community, right? Kim, Jessica, mm. Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer. <laughs> like Cindy. you said, Jeff, Cindy. Oh my god, yeah. what are the guy names? I feel like there are a lot of Michael. Yeah. Oh, Michael's a big one. Yeah. Do you think it comes down to like ease of pronunciation? There's no weird sounding R's or like English sounding phonetics that makes yeah. it difficult. <laughs> Do you know how I got my name? My parents named me after Jeff Kennett. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was nice. he was the he was the premier when my parents like moved here, and they were like, "We like a shtick, so we're gonna name oh, our son after so him." Funny. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I remember yeah. the the book of names um, that they they sort of like they had it highlighted. I think the name is like Germanic um, in, in yeah. origin. Nice. But mostly it was yeah. because of Jeff Kennett. So you know, shout out Jeff Kennett. Um, I don't know if you listen yeah. to this podcast, but you know, I, I'm named after <laughs> you, so you know, you can stick that bit in your heart. Yeah. Nice. Actually, I I feel like I have an answer now. You know what? I think I would name my child. Well, I'd be open to the idea of naming my child a Vietnamese name as a first name. I'm just thinking about like how fucking weird names are these days. Like Elon Musk's child. If that child can exist in the world, <laughs> my child can easily <laughs> have their Vietnamese name and be unapologetic about it. Oh, like, man. Some people name their kid like Daenerys or like some shit from like Game of Thrones because like... <laughs> You know, it's popular and it's trendy. Like, you know, if Daenerys can exist, so can, like, Mai or, like, another Vietnamese name, right? This is true. I feel like people, like, don't give a fuck anymore. I don't know. I'd hope so. I mean, that's true. You know, we can probably, like, attribute this to Kanye and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I remember seeing all the memes about when um, their, their kid came out. Northwest. It was all about, no, yeah. um, Elon and, and Grimes' kid. Oh, yeah. There was yes. all this stuff around, like, when people try to pronounce it, like, summoning demons, like, in the class because, you know... <laughs> I'd say it properly, but and then um, how do you actually pronounce it? I don't know. I can't even remember. I don't know. We should probably look that up. Uh, there was also um, I read a. I sometimes I don't trust what I, I can't trust what I read on Facebook anymore. But I did see this article. No. This woman that named her son Vagina to to battle um, gender norms. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love so, that. Wow. You know, do what you want. Okay, I just looked it up. Um, so Elon Musk said his son's name is pronounced X Ash A twelve. Why is that so funny? Oh my god. Oh, we can laugh anymore. Look, he's gonna be filthy rich, so like he already is filthy rich. <laughs> Elon Musk gonna rule the world. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. Anyways, we digress. That's kind of like the first part of what we want to talk about. The second part we want to really talk about as well is accents. And I have a question for you. Do you think we should be able to imitate accents? That's a great question. And to be honest, this question was what spurred this podcast because I was on the way to a festival and one of my best mates in the car was like, I have a serious question to ask you. And I was like, okay, fire away. Why is it okay that people imitate Italian accents, Greek accents, but it's not okay to imitate Asian accents. And I was like, it's a good question, actually. And, you know, after I, you know, heard that, I, I sort of told my partner and she was like, you know, one of her best friends, her partner is uh, Italian. 
And he asked her the exact same question. It was like, why do people mock my mm. accent? But, you know, it's not okay to mock Asian accents. And so this question in itself, you know, I had to sort of think about it a little bit. I had to do a little bit of research. And, you know, I think where it comes from is that there's multiple factors. The first of which is, I guess, to some extent, like assimilation and adjacency of cultures. So for us mm. in Australia, Greek and Italian immigration has been you know, they've been here for an incredibly long amount of time, as have Asians, respectively. Like, Asian people have been here since the gold rush days. But I think Greeks and Italians have assimilated a way where, you know, their culture has very much been co-opted by Australians and vice versa. They're, they're very much, like, blended um, into Australian society. And, you know, despite Asian people having been here for so long, I feel like it still feels quite distinct, right? Mm. I don't know whether it's uh, Asian people don't want to assimilate. We just want to sort of like stick in our own herds um, or there was this sort of pushback, like we don't want you to be part of us. I don't know. But I think because of this assimilation and the fact that, to be honest, like Italians and Greeks, they're still Europeans, right? Like I hate calling out like the race hierarchy, but Europeans, Anglo-whites, they are sort of up there. And I think the assimilation between the Italians and Greeks and white Anglos in Australia, the fact that they've been together for so long and there has been this like back and forth, like, all right, yeah, you can be one of us. I feel like that has sort of normalized this adoption of Italian and Greek accents within social context. Mm. And so, you know, you have this sort of, you can call it an even footing between Italians, whites and Greeks because they're, you know, they're, they're essentially one within the Australian context, but I still feel like Asians aren't there yet. And so when you do adopt that Asian accent, it still feels malicious in intent. Mm, yeah, for sure. And, you know, hopefully in the future, this isn't the case. You know, I think there is something to be said about, actually, is that true? Is the ideal world where everyone can just adopt any accent that they want? Look, to be honest, like, I think an ideal world would be one where, yes, like, we could mm. just all do accents to each other. Because I think at that point, then, it would be, quote, unquote, equal society where there's no power imbalance, right? Yeah. I think the problem comes yeah. down to the power dynamics, right? Like you said, there's this, you know, degree of assimilation that often a lot of Greeks and Italians have had with Australian society, white Australian society, I should say, that is not yet matched by other ethnic groups like Asian people and dare I say many other minorities as well. So yes, I completely validate with what you're saying. And I think it also really depends on the intention and the context as well. You know, why are you using this accent, right? And I think often something like Asian accents, it feels particularly humiliating because often Asian cultures have been mocked a lot and especially at our expense for other people's gain. And it was really interesting because I was looking up some data for this and a EU government survey of perceptions of racism found that of the 1,314 people surveyed, a sample that included a significant number of people from non-white backgrounds, 50% reported that imitating an accent associated with another racial group was either always or usually racist. Mm. But that also leaves like another 40-50% that said that it was never or usually not. And I think that just begs the question of like, when is it okay to do an accent, right? And the first person that I was thinking about when this came to mind was that comedian, Neil. Oh, Neil Kohaka. Yes, thank you. Excellent. Like, I was just thinking about him and I was like, I feel like 
he can imitate a white person and like that's funny and like that's fine whereas like I don't know if it would be the same thing if you had a white guy imitating an Indian person on Indian accent and I think that just always comes down back to power right the power dynamics where if the world was equal yes I'm sure Mm. it would all be funny and we could all do each other's accents but the reality is the world isn't equal there are big power imbalances between the white majority and the rest if I dare say so I think that's why there is still this tension between you can do accents for certain kind of groups depending on who you are, depending on the context. And I think ultimately it all comes down to intention as well. Um, and I think just respect, right? Like who are you doing this accent for? At what gain? Of whose expense? But it's interesting to interrogate though, because yeah, like I think when you posed that question to me, I had to do a double take and be like, actually, yeah, mm. why is there this double standard, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you talked about Neil and obviously I actually really enjoy Neil's videos and I think the the fact that he sort of he makes fun of everyone so he's not like yeah he makes fun of everyone yeah. it's great check him out if you, if you haven't watched his videos he does excellent impersonations but you know when you have these individuals who adopt these accents for I guess humor and it eventually becomes their job so the people I'm referring to are Uncle Roger Stephen He these people with mm very over the top just like hyperbolic as fuck asian accents kind of like can't hong kongy um leaning and they've made a huge name for themselves like especially uncle roger i think ever since i watched that video of him where he was sort of um, making fun of the woman on bbc making fried rice um Mm. he's blown up he's got like over five million subscribers um, for those of you, I'm sure if you're Asian and you're, you're listening to this, you probably know who Uncle Roger is. But if you do not, uh, Uncle Roger is a persona uh, that gets put on by a comedian called Nigel. And he's based out of the UK. And at first, I was like, i got to double check this isn't his actual normal accent. But if you watch his interviews, he's got a very much toned back, like it's kind of American sounding, kind of Malaysian sounding, but it is nowhere near the sort of dramatic over the top vibe of uncle roger and i get it it's a character and obviously he's become very famous playing this character and so my question to you is people who do this so like asian people that sort of adopt these personas are they reclaiming the accent like is this like a power thing where it's like i've been made fun of um, for the way i sound for the way that asian people sound i'm re-adopting this as my own thing or does it sort of normalize the mocking of accents. Mm. Now, I think I would fall in the former camp. I really do think that like reclaiming, you know, the really quote unquote mocked Asian accents, right? From an Asian person. I think there's a lot of power to that. I think it really subverts the mockery of the Asian accent. Just like I, you know, I think it, it's like almost analogous to like how, you know, the black community have been able to reclaim the N word. And I think in this context, you know, he's obviously like, benefited from this right he's benefited from you know using an accent that has been derided by other cultures in a way that has you know benefited him and has made people in his community entertained I mean I I imagine so right I mean he has a huge following so I just think that like the net gain from being able to not only reclaim the accent but doing so that benefits the community is a gain Mm. but obviously yeah like the other side of the coin is that does it perpetuate 
like you said, the normalization of his accent. But I think if it's done by Asian people, and you know, as always, it comes back to intent, right? Like, what's the intention behind doing this accent? And I think I don't know. From my perception of Uncle Roger, I'm like I don't really have any strong feelings towards him or that persona. But I never have thought about the fact that like he's doing it in a way that makes fun of Asian people at the expense of Asian people. You know,、mm. um, what do you think? Yeah, I I I'm torn on this one because I I know there's this like reclaiming of power thing. I can't watch it. I hate it. Oh really? Yeah, it's yeah. so、mm. jarring. It's like just so、yeah. like over the top. It's kind of like I know you don't sound、mm. like this, and to be honest,、mm. yeah, I don't know if many people do sound like this. This like character of over the top. I don't know. It's like I I hear this accent. Right, interesting. It's, it's really, it's really over the top for me. But I don't know if because you make a good point. Like, is the net gain actually there? It's like you're gonna have this. Hopefully, large proportion of his audience that understands that this is like a mockery. It's a character. You know, this is just entertainment value. He's reclaiming this part of his identity that may have been made fun of in the past. But and then you're going to have this like small chunk who are probably just you know laughing at the accent. They're laughing just a bit too hard. True.、Um, yeah. That's true. At the accent, rather than the whole package of what Uncle Roger represents. That's true. That's true. And so, you know, I think ultimately there is, it's good. We should reclaim these things that have been used against us in the past. I don't know. I just personally can't watch it. It's not for me.、Um, and you know, there is also this sort of danger around your audiences, right? It's like, do they understand it? And for just like a personal anecdote. My partner is a primary school teacher, and she had all these kids sort of running around screaming, like, "Oh, Stephen! He is the other character. He's the guy that goes like emotional damage, right? It's, it's like talking about how your parents <laughs>、yeah. just abused you、um, as Asian、yeah. people. And so you have all these like kids running around like screaming, like adopting、uh, an accent.、Yeah. And it's like, are they too young to understand that? Yeah, that's yeah, not all right." Um, and you know,、yeah. I think you know my partner sat them down and said it was you know this isn't okay. I understand it's like a humor thing. So I don't know. I'd I'd like to believe that the positives outweigh the negatives.、Um, but you know that、yeah. content personally isn't for me. I would love to sort of hear from you guys. Like if you really enjoy this content, like I'd love to know why is it just the humor factor? Do you、mm. think? That the character is in some way really reclaiming this power aspect. So, if you do really enjoy his content, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from you because personally, not for me. But maybe it's just like him as a comedian, right? Like I'm just thinking about like who have I watched in the past that has like made fun of like the Asian accent that I've actually like found really funny because, you know, it's something like that like I get you know and I could relate to, but it's done in a way that's just comedic. Like I'm thinking someone like、um, my Chony. And his YouTube videos back、oh, when. Oh wow, that is a. And like、here. Natalie Tran as well. Like I remember there were a few videos where、um, she like impersonates her mum、mm. with like this Vietnamese accent, and like to me like that was pretty funny, and like I think done in a pretty tactful way because, you know, let's say Natalie Tran's impression of her mum sounds like my mum、mm. when she tries、mm. to speak English, and it's just funny because she says things that Natalie Tran's mum like has said in this video, and like it's comedic even though she's using the accent.、Mm. But again, I don't think it's done at the expense of the Asian community.、Mm. I think if anything, it makes light of the fact that like we have these funny accents sometimes and we speak English, and I think with that, 
there's this reclaiming of power. So yeah, I don't know, maybe it depends on the comedian and maybe like Uncle Roger in this instance is a bit too hyperbolic. To be fair, I haven't watched his videos in a while, so I, I don't really remember them, but yeah, maybe I should watch it again and see uh, how entertaining I find yeah. it. Yeah, oh, I love my joke. My joke and come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I remember his act videos were so funny. And like, no, you know, yeah, no, yeah. Th- yeah. I, I liked it because there was sort of, um, there was a bit of a balance as well because he would play himself, yeah. someone with us like an Australian accent, engaging with someone who has an, an yeah. Asian accent. It is that, yeah. you know, art imitates life yeah. scenario versus Uncle Roger, who was just a lot all the time. It's just a lot. I think I, maybe I just need yeah. the contrast a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, if you know any funny comedians out there, let me know. I'm always open to it. <laughs> Look, long story short, I think it all comes down to respect, right? And I think it comes down to intention. So, you know, I don't imagine that many of you will use accents, but if you do consume shows or movies that portray accents or have someone using accent in a particular way, I think it's always good to just critically reflect on, you know, who is doing that, who is consuming this, and at whose expense and at whose gain is this role. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, like, no one wants to be made fun of. At the same time, it is really fun to be able to reclaim that when you are from that community. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's been a really interesting conversation. I'm glad we've had it. Yeah. Take pride in your name. Take pride in your accent. Last thing before we sign off, because I just remembered it. I want to know the worst accents in movies ever, because I really do enjoy seeing those. The one that just (laughs) jumped out at me, which made me say this, Leonardo DiCaprio's South African accent in Blood Diamond. Horrendous. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh, I don't think I've seen terrible. that movie. I should. And the actor in Mary Poppins. He plays the guy with the instruments. It's been a really long time. Anyway, I remember he had a terrible British accent because it was basically an American accent. <laughs> anyway, let us know because I love watching those videos. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to give it five stars on <laughs> any platform. I th- yeah, they, they have it on Spotify and Apple. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, we'll catch you guys <laughs> in the next one. See you later. Bye.